0: Welcome to episode two of the Passion Purpose podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for people to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. Today's episode features an interview with Jim Akers. He worked as a senior corporate executive for a major paper company in Washington State for 25 years, where he oversaw 23 locations that employed 1,200 people. After another outstanding year of growth and profitability, he was celebrating with his stale staff on a Thursday afternoon, then called into the office and fired the following Monday. Without warning, the company had downsized and was changing strategies. Jim and all the other group vice presidents were being eliminated. He went from being on top of the world to out of work, with one son still in law school and another in college. The period that followed was one of intense personal reflection in which he sought advice from his closest friends, who helped Jim realize that God had fired him from the job so he could pursue a different direction with his life. He also knew he had to get his spiritual grounding back. Jim had published one book a few years before losing his job, which he later described as being very worldly-based. After being fired, Jim invested more time in studying God's Word and meditating on its passages. Soon, he felt called to write another book encouraging people to maximize their impact on others. Yet God continued to sift and refine Jim. During his studies, he realized that of the 2,930 people mentioned by name in the Bible, there was enough data on 100 of them to know how they finished. A majority of them failed later in life. That prompted Jim to write a third book titled Godfidence, Reliable Confidence for Navigating an Unreliable World to tell us more about that book project and the impact it had on his life and others who read it, please welcome Jim Akers to the show. Thank you for joining me today, Jim. I really appreciate your time. Tell me a little bit about who you are and where you're from and what you did for a living.
1: Greg, great to be with you. Just an honor to have this conversation with you. Um, I guess you know it's funny when you ask people you know, a little bit about their lives. I, I grew up in Spokane, graduated college and my first job took me to Southern California and I never, I never came back to the Northwest until a couple of years ago uh, when my granddaughter was born. So this idea of where that's led me is, uh, from a career perspective, changed. So I spent 35 years in, with international paper, 25 years of that in senior corporate life, And uh, in a new book that I have coming out called Godfidence, Reliable Confidence for Navigating an Unreliable World, the first, the introduction is all about being pushed into a transition that I was, that was unexpected. Mm -hmm. So I get pushed out of corporate life, not by anything I did, uh, but it happened and I wake up and I say, okay, what's, what's next? And so that's what I do now in corporate, outside of corporate leadership, I do leadership training and development, executive coaching, and and an author and a speaker.
0: Very good. I know a lot of people, once they get to 50, they feel that not so subtle, in some cases, nudge, pushing them to the sidelines. And they develop, if they agree with that, they develop this attitude that they have nothing left to offer anybody. So they might as well just sit around and wait. And I think that's a tragedy.
1: Oh, it's such a tragedy. I think that as long as God has us breathing, we have some purpose that we have yet to discover. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem is, is that when we make the transition, we look within ourselves and we think about the things that we didn't do potentially and think that we're defeated and then think we've reached a stage in our life, well, the best times have passed me, so I no longer am capable of doing what's going forward. And I think both of those are are inaccurate. Everything that we've gone through in our lives, I think are preparing us for the next great chapter, whatever that may be, but we have to be excited about looking for it and not looking within ourselves, but looking to our creator who said, Hey, guess what? I put a purpose in you and I'm not done with you. So look to me. And if you seek me earnestly, you know, you're going to discover what that is.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Uh, Were you ever, you were married, correct? Or are married? I am married. Are married, okay. I am. How, how many kids do yeah. you have?
1: Well, let's first start with the most important thing, Greg. I've been married almost 40 years. It'll be 40 wow. years this coming June and wouldn't do it differently. And I have two sons. I have uh, my oldest son, Matthew, is 31 years old and is a lawyer. And my youngest son, who is uh, 29, is a, I'm not sure I can even describe what he does, but he is a <laughs> super data analytical expert. And he does data analytics for a uh, company called PitchBook, which okay. does you know, really serious data analytics for uh, private um, companies, looking at private companies.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. And you said you have one granddaughter now. Nothing beats a granddaughter.
1: I I do. Great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, yes. Paige McKenzie is uh, about eight months old and was the reason we left Southern California, returned to the Pacific Northwest to be nearby. So when you start talking about purpose, I think that we've lost in our society today the importance of family. God created us for community, he gave us family, and nothing better than grandparents who can pour into the lives of their of their grandkids. And I think also give those parents a, a little breather from time to time so mm-hmm. they can be better parents because they're energized and have some rest and all that kind of good stuff. So awesome to be nearby her.
0: That's a very good point. Now you said you worked for international paper. What did you do for them?
1: Well, I had a couple of different roles, Greg, I started out on the distribution side and, and we were privately held and international paper bought us. And so I spent a bunch of time on the distribution side, and then I went to the manufacturing side and handled some light manufacturing and distribution, and then ultimately returned to the distribution side of the business, where in the end I had responsibility for 23 locations um, 1,200 employees and about a billion dollars of revenue. And people would ask, well, what did you guys do? And I said, well, guess what? I, we did something as simple as if you wanted toilet paper, paper towels, we'd sell you that. But if you've ever touched the box that an iPhone comes in, we helped design that packaging and sold components in that packaging. So from very sophisticated to to very simple.
0: What did you really like about it?
1: You know, I love the creative piece of the packaging it was really truly amazing. I'll tell you a story years ago, before uh, video went into the phones, there was a company that developed a product called the um, the Flip, and it was a handheld video recorder, very small, uh, as small as the phones that we have today. And I remember our sales rep saying, "Hey Jim, I want you to go on this call with me," which I didn't get to do that often, but it was unbelievable. So we sit down and the CEO and the marketing people are sending in and they're ready to release this product. And the CEO looks at our our sales guy, who's an amazing guy, Joe, and says, Joe, I want this thing to feel like a baby's bottom. (laughs) And I'm looking, okay, this is going to get interesting right now, right? And Joe goes, why? He says, because when people pick up that packaging, man, they're going to want it. They're just going to have this in their hands and it's going to feel so good. They're going to want to buy it and joe was an amazing sales guy and he ended up finding a product greg that had this feel that was amazing and i think i still saved one of those boxes you know it's probably 10 15 years old but it's the most incredible packaging you just pick it up and you just wanted to hold it
0: okay and
1: the product was very six product was incredibly successful but ultimately you know the video capability started getting um, incorporated it into what we consider a smartphone today and it went away, but the packaging was amazing. So I love that part of it. And the other thing I, I really loved is just the people, mm-hmm. you know, helping people become great and excellent at what they were doing. And so uh, one of the best parts of my job was people development, hiring selection and development, love the people side of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Was there anything for about the job that caused you stress?
1: Does anyone have a job that doesn't yeah. cause them stress? Is that a trick is that a trick <laughs> question, Greg? That's not a trick question, is it? Yeah, I think the thing that caused me the greatest stress was having the business be successful because you woke up every morning with 1200 people depending on you being mm-hmm. successful. And so we had, you know, we had drivers and warehousemen and you know, so very much blue collar up to You know, we had the salesman I mentioned, I don't know that we ever paid him less than a million dollars a year. He was amazing and and was very successful. So we had very sophisticated people who made a lot of money, but we also had people that were counting on you opening those doors every single day. Mm -hmm. Didn't cause me stress, but I think it that element of stress, I would say, let me just use as a rubber band. There's no such thing as no stress, right? So if I have a rubber band, if I stretch it too far, it breaks, but if I don't stretch it some, it doesn't have enough resistance to hold things together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no stress is a pinewood box with a lily in your hand. Yes. So there was some stress, <laughs> but it was good stress, if you will. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. how do I create opportunities for people and have them excited about wanting to, to uh, follow the vision that we were laying out for them?
0: I've heard that type of thing from many entrepreneurs over the years that, uh, just the, the stress of all of the people that they employ relying on them to make the right decisions and to move the business forward to keep it in momentum that, that causes a lot of stress for them.
1: Well, it's, you think about this in a sense that if you care about people at all, so if you think strategy in and of itself is connected to success in business by people, you have to have people. It connects the two. So having them want to be part of something great requires you to build something great. And I think that one of the things that is a a great challenge to to anyone is that once you've been successful, how do you keep being successful? Mm -hmm. Right. So if you've been to a mountaintop, you've seen some valleys, you want to stay on the mountaintop, but life's not that way. Right. I think God gives us mountaintops experiences to inspire us to have us see what he has so you can get up high enough and see what he has available to us so that when we go into the valleys, we know that he's still there mm-hmm. and he's calling us to something greater. And he says, I'm not going to abandon you there, right? That's a 23rd Psalm. You know, even though you go through the valleys, he's there and he's with us. And those are things I think make us make us better and prepare us for these for these next chapters. So I think embracing those sometimes instead of resisting those times where lives are, are really difficult or stressful is recognizing God's in the middle it's it. Sovereign over all things, right?
0: Exactly. And here
1: I am. I haven't abandoned you. I'm with you. And, and I would, I would phrase it this way. Cause I talk about this in my new book, God, but it says for a long time, Greg, I used to ask God why he put me in these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Took me a long time. Now at age 62, he's not going to tell me why. I might get some glimpses, right? We get some glimpses, mm-hmm. but he's not going to tell me why. I think the better question is what, mm-hmm. what do you want me to do with this? Lord, where are you leading me? And I'm going to trust you in my next step.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Uh, have, do you have any hobbies that you like to pursue?
1: Greg, I love golf. Okay. You know, My wife would tell you the weather here in the winter in the Pacific Northwest isn't really conducive, but I've played. And my wife says she didn't realize that I loved golf that much that I would go out and play in weather that's not ideal. Mm -hmm. But I do. I do. Love love to golf.
0: Okay. You can always come down here and join me in uh, Arizona if you ever get tired in the winter. And we've got our golf courses open all the time.
1: I know. I love, I love the Arizona area. I'm coming down. I'm coming down in January. I have a client there. So I told him he has to invite me in the winter. So that's a, that's important. You got to get out of the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle area, <laughs> you know, between December and March, you just have to.
2: Right. So I'll,
1: yes. I'll plan on that. I'll plan on that. Greg. But mm-hmm. golf is a, is a passion. I, I took it up a lot. You know, I, I played when I was an adult, but one of the things you talked about the stress of career, Is that a lot of times when you're managing a lot of people in a big organization, you can think about your life is that you're pushing on the string, you know, you just hard to make progress because you're trying to move a lot of moving parts. But with golf, it was two things. One, it was just me and the results were mine, nobody else's. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was, is late in the afternoon or early evening, it was thinking time. I just go out and really wasn't focused on the score or anything else. It was just taking a walk and and getting an opportunity to clear my mind. And I still do that. It's one of my favorite places to think is on the golf course.
0: And to be outside. That's uh, very therapeutic in itself.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, a good thing for us to do. And even when, as I said, the winter bad in Seattle is just getting out of the house and and uh, experiencing some some friends and 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 being in a, in a beautiful place uh, always a good thing
0: what types of books and movies do you really enjoy
1: books business uh faith-based i'm just looking at my new library since we moved and you know one of the things i always heard was and, and believe is that one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids and grandkids is a great library. Now, a lot of things are certainly electronic, and I do read electronic, but I love the feel of a book in my
0: hand. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And a uh, few hundred, if I'm looking around, business, faith, biography, and the sports ones that I have are typically biographies of okay. people. So I love to read, and some some classics are up there as mm-hmm. well kept um in this move greg is kind of funny i still had some textbooks from my college <laughs> days and i looked at him said you know this is no longer expertise this needs to go we've advanced since this stuff
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's...
1: And, and movie wise um hey i like uh, fun family inspirational type stuff some stuff that's funny so there's still stuff that's classic so you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I could watch that almost every day. <laughs> Remember the Titans, I could watch that almost mm-hmm. every day. Just the, the ones that have a great story that can make you laugh, but also those that are, are um, inspirational about uh, the character involved and uh, the victory on the end of it.
0: Have you ever taken any tests to identify personality traits or natural skills?
1: Oh, goodness, Greg, how many have I taken? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do they all point to the same thing? Uh, it, it's never a surprise, is you know, it?
1: It's changed a little bit. Okay. No, I don't think, if we're honest, where they're a surprise, but one of my favorites, and I use it with clients, I even use it. I've done a few weddings. i married my nephew, my son, both my sons, and I had them take one that is done by the VIA Institute of Character. And it's out of the University of Pennsylvania. And um, those strengths are very interesting. Um, but it gets you, it focuses on your signature strengths, top seven. But I take it every year. And I'll be really candid with you. Probably the first time I took it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was an item on there I didn't like. So one of the things was gratitude. And it was really low on the scale of these 24. And I said, that's just not me. You know, that's not what God created me to be. If I'm not being grateful, I am just missing it. Mm-hmm. And so I was really conscious for a couple of years about being more grateful. And now it's in my top five. Okay. So what I found in some of those in that regard is that they can identify things that you need to use more of or, or lean on more or change. And you can change those. Um, in terms of aptitude tests, yeah, I've taken a lot of those. I'll tell you the funniest story that I can think of is that when I was in college, I started out as a finance major, (coughs) largely because my best friend was a finance major, an accounting major. I said, oh, that sounds good. I like money. So yeah, that sounds like I'll do that. And I did really well in accounting. I got A's in accounting, took my first finance test and I just, oh gosh, scratching my head and I was really wasn't liking this. So I go and I talk to my advisor and I say, you know, is there anything that's like multiple choice or essay? He says, yeah, marketing. I said, I am now a marketing major. <laughs> and I switched. That's... I switched right there. And uh, so I think my aptitude is is more towards the uh, visionary, creative. I think that that blended itself from my, from my leadership style. Mm-hmm. And I always knew I could read a balance sheet, income statement. I could do all that, but I didn't like it. So my most important hire was always my, um, my CFO or admin manager. Most important hire. Just keep it all straight for me and tell me how we did at the end of the month.
0: Okay. Very good. So before 50, what was one thing that you were really proud of accomplishing? <laughs>
1: Before 50, well, I think you have to separate that on two fronts. I think on a, on a personal basis, the thing that I'm most proud of was being present as a father and a husband Mm -hmm. and the dividends, the dividends of that now today is that my boys still like hanging out with me, their wives like hanging out with us and to celebrate an upcoming 40th wedding anniversary, um, Honored the things that were really godly, so those things I'm proud of and I'm um, thankful for <clears throat> for that. On a professional basis, the thing I'm most proud of is the people that you know I helped and saw their careers grow and that are still growing, um, pouring into them so that they could be capable leaders and contribute and develop you know, legacy of their own so earned a lot and won a lot of awards. And it's kind of interesting because if you look around my office today, uh, there's no remnants of any of that. I don't have any of the trophies or the crystal or any of that stuff, none of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it's really the people, really the people. And I wouldn't have thought that when I was 30 because, um, Again, I write about this in Godfidence, kind of looking for confidence in all the wrong places. It was all about winning, success, power, prestige, money, cars, clubs, all that type of stuff. And as you start zeroing in on that fourth quarter of life, it's got to be something bigger than that. It it can't be what's in it for you. It's got to be what do I give back? So it's transformed. So I have 50.
0: Okay. So after you turned 50, what was it that you did that really invigorated you and gave you that sense of purpose?
1: Um, I think one of the things that I would, would say is that really, you know, God fired me from my career. You know, I hear people say they got fired or, you know, somebody took something away from them, you know, in the sovereign providential hand of God, nothing is not out, not, beyond his purview, or his control. So it was realization of the fact that God fired me. And I think God will do whatever it takes, Greg, to get our attention. And if we are sitting idly by, he is just begging us to come seek him. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, um, my eyes were really open to the fact that he had other things for me to do. And so, post fifty, what really livened it up was, you know, I was approaching my fifty-third birthday, and at the time, Greg, um, I was identified within IP as uh, what they call an HB plus, high potential plus, which meant I was identified as a handful of people that had the upward mobility to even potentially be the CEO, but certainly an SVP running a major division. Mm-hmm and within a 24 hour period it was gone wow I mean, there wasn't a pre, there wasn't any warning to this thing um, it just flat out happened and again the introduction to godfidence i write about this and it took me a long time to to be authentic enough and able to kind of share that story of what that meant the darkness of those days that followed that you so imagine that this is the picture, Greg. On a Thursday, I have my all my sales team, probably about 300 people, our CEO, um, everybody in a room celebrating. We've just completed this great year. And we're awards and we're handing things out. And we're on the top of the hill, right? I get a call on Friday telling me that CEO wants to meet me Monday morning and he's going to fly in and, and it's, let's use the same hotel just because of convenience. And I walk in that Monday morning and they say, well, we're going a different direction. We're eliminating all the group VP jobs or oh. eliminating you. And we're done. We're done. My 35 year career is over in that fast. Wow. So I walk. I walked in, thinking, well, here's where I'm going. And, you know, this is, you know, what's the next step. And it's gone right there. So 53 years old. And then the provisions that I think that all along God prepares you for these things. um, It wasn't a financial hardship at that time because my wife and I had been, you know, valiant savers and, you know, at the time, but I do remember that dad to call my son who was in law school and, my younger son who was in college and say, guess what? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not what they pictured. It's not what anyone pictured. Uh, But at that time uh, I had to take a step back. And interestingly enough, I wrote a letter, Greg, to 10 men who I had utmost respect for some from business, some were from my church. And I just asked, laid out the story very honestly and said, can I meet with you and have a conversation with you? And that was very helpful. Took me a while to work through that. But what I came to the conclusion was is that the next things that I were going to do, one, it had to be kingdom enhancing. Mm -hmm. Number two, it had to be um, a purpose that I believed in and was excited about. And the third thing it had had to have was it had to be with people that I would enjoy being with and I could pour into, and they could pour into me. So those are the screens that I have maintained now for almost 10 years about the things that I get involved with. And and, and very much the reason why I'm speaking to you today, because I think mm-hmm. it fits those three, three criteria.
0: Super. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So when you got fired, that had to take the wind out of your sails and how how long was that transition before you really started moving then into something something else? I mean, a lot of people would be tempted to just sit back and right. lick their wounds and live off of their, you know, investments and things like that forever.
1: Well, I think it took it took a long time. So you think about the book Godfidence coming out, you know, in the next couple of months. I wrote a book prior to that, which really made me look really tough on the outside. Greg, so if you knew me, um, and people even knew me well, could look at the exterior and say, Jim's got this, he's confident, he's, you know, not a problem. But on the inside, it was turned upside down. So the element of the confidence that I had was all worldly based um and as a result you know i thought i'd just do what i always did right just dig in set a couple new goals grab this thing by the tail and beat it Mm -hmm. and the more i did that the more defeated i became yes i just it just there wasn't anything there um and so i remember picking up and a lot of this again is 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 context for the introduction of the book but i i write about this is that i had a i had a bible that i i believe i probably got for confirmation or graduation i was probably 16 years old so I, i've had this bible now for nearly 40 years right mm-hmm. so it had lots of notes in it and and lots of underlining and so you go to jeremiah 29:12. For I know the plans I have for you, which is a verse I'm sure you and your listeners are going to be very familiar with, right? Plans to prosper you, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, that was underlined, but I'd never gone any further than that. But what's really interesting is that that verse is conditional, because starting in verse 13, it says, and then, and then, you know, the word then, which is a conditional phrase, and then you will come to me and you will pray to me. And you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Right. Oh, okay. So I've been going off on this path. So this, this journey then took me as I said, I just really needed to get my, my spiritual grounding back. So the recovery was largely Greg, this whole idea of seeking God, praying, praying, and looking for them, and really surrendering myself. So I got better as soon as I quit.
0: Oh, really? You
1: know, I oh, quit. Yeah,
0: I Right, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Was there any yeah. challenge? In-
1: internally quit, quit. Quit trying to manage my world and trying to fabricate something on the outside that I wasn't on the inside. Allowing God to be the guide and truly surrendering to that direction.
0: As somebody who has had purpose and a lot of responsibility and things like that in the past with the international paper and with family raising kids and things like that, was it a tough period to be waiting for God to show you the next, to, for, for him to open the door for you to walk into the next chapter?
1: Yeah, it was very quiet because, you know, when I left, as well as, as I had done People thought, oh, Jim's going to be back working someplace in the industry immediately. The phone's going to ring off the hook. Craig, the phone didn't ring at all. Right. Zero.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had resisted, you know, any outplacement work because I just was, okay, I'm going to give this to God. And, you know, I want to write. I've already written a bunch of stuff. And I was already an accomplished speaker and, you know, other stuff. But it took me a while to find my my bearings. So, again, I was at points where I literally, I had no idea or any appreciation for people who had gone through depression mm-hmm. or serious uh, s- circumstances that kept them out of the game, if you will, out of the box, right? But now I did because I was literally standing on the edge. of of this rut, of this grave, looking Mm in drugs, alcohol, uh, infidelity, all those things. I mean, hey, maybe I should try some of this stuff. (laughs) I mean, it leaned on me. I never Mm -hmm. touched any of those things. I never, never did anything stupid. And I think that's by the grace of God Mm -hmm. that, you know, looking up every morning and saying, I'm not enough today, Lord, but you are. And that went on for probably a good three years. So from the point of departure from international paper to the release of tape breakers, my first book was almost three years to the day. Mm -hmm. So my release was a March 3rd and three years later on March 1st, I released tape breakers. And so that I went through that journey of writing and that was process. But I think that was step one for me, Greg, because that was the still the outward confident Jim writing. And I still stand by all this stuff people have looked at it and said, Well, there's a lot of what's behind this and, it, and the faith element comes through. Now, you know, another four years of evidence coming out is if what I would say is a sequel to tape breakers. This is the rest of the story. This is the broken nature of Jim, allowing God to interface in his life, refocus his attention refocus his purpose and um put a new put put his foundation under me versus my own
0: and when does godfidence come out
1: everything goes well it'll be out december 1st 2021 so well that's the title six weeks
0: okay so it's
1: godfidence is a title yes the title is godfidence reliable confidence for navigating an unreliable world
0: okay very good and that comes out again in you said January,
1: December 1st,
0: December 1st. I'm sorry. Okay. Very good. Now I happened to pick up one of uh, your books and the uh, tape breakers at the conference that you and I attended in Cleveland Ohio, or Columbus, Ohio, uh, probably Columbus, the same Ohio. year that you yeah. published it. And one of the chapters that I, I really it's... liked was hitting the wall. What will it take to finish? Cause I think we all mm-hmm. hit the wall. So what does it take to finish? finished strong?
1: Well, I'm going to preface this by saying a very interesting study that was done by the uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. Greg, they looked at 2,930 people mentioned by name in the Bible. And upon close examination, they found that there's adequate data on 100 of these people to evaluate how they finished. Interestingly, the majority of the people failed. failed. And they didn't fail early in life, they failed. They failed late in the life. Okay, so you think about how could that happen? I mean, these were godly men and women. I mean, they knew God, they knew his plan, they were instructed, all those things, but yet they failed. Why is that? Well, they turned, their focus ended up ultimately being turned away from from God and his goodness. I mean, probably the best example you could use is Judas, but I mean, there's a number of them throughout somebody who did finish well would be Job, right? Mm -hmm. Never failed to honor God and celebrate what God was doing, even in the midst of his tremendous pain and disappointment in his life. So I think Mm -hmm. the thing that I've discovered, and it's not brilliant in any way, but it's really pursuing God, and laying everything uh, out for him, and accepting that direction. So Here's one of the things that I've said, especially when I'm speaking to groups that are, let's say, 50 plus, 60 plus, is that our platform may change, our audience may change because of where we're headed in our life. But what if, what if, Greg, we were to have our final day in the last chapter of Godfidence is one-on-one with Jesus, but what if I'm standing there? And he tells me, you know, Jim, the last five years, your only assignment was to pray for these five people, or your only assignment was to care for this one individual. We, I think, Greg, sometimes think this purpose is something that has to be on a grand because of the grandness of our current culture with social Mm -hmm. media and everything else. But what if our platform is five people or one person? That's what changes my thinking is saying, on a daily basis now, Lord, don't let me concern myself with the size or scope of what I'm doing, but just that it pleases you. Did I honor you today? And I think that's one of the things where people can find purpose and kind of rejuvenate is that if you get to the end of every day and say, is what I did today, did it bring God honor and allow me to enjoy him today? Mm-hmm. And you find a lot of people kind of shaking their heads, right? Right. Oh, no, not not really. Mm-hmm. Well, what can you do to change that? You've got to. I think you got to seek Him. A. W. Tozer said that a man who would know God must spend time with Him. Mm-hmm. And I understand that better now at sixty-two than I did at forty-two.
0: I know a woman out east uh, who loves horses, and she retired, mm-hmm. and invested her life in helping a young girl fall in love with horses as well. And she became a competitive rider and went on to win a number of competitions and things like that. And then went on to college and moved on. And she's starting over with another young rider. And it's just that one-on-one content or context gives her purpose. And we know it's life changing for these, these gals.
1: Oh, and you absolutely, you think, think about what you're doing now, what I would do with anyone and say, okay, what has brought me to age 50 or 60? And what are all my experiences? What if I took all of my life experience? Good, bad, right? And I poured that into one writer, or one athlete, or one student, or whoever that may be. Single mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, that. Single mom, I mean, it, it just, my tingles, just just thinking about that, about what you have. See, we think, I think sometimes, Greg, we think impact has to be grandiose, but, you know, God impacts this one person at a time, one-on-one, just like you and I have in this conversation. Who knows who will listen to this or how you'll write about it, what it'll touch, but if we are successful in touching one person, and that's what it is for it to do then that was a grand success.
0: Mm -hmm. Are there any things that are still on your adventure list of things you'd really like to do or accomplish?
1: Well, I think the accomplishment is really centered around the release of this book and doing kingdom oriented work. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is that was a blessing from a bad situation was that when I, my career ended Greg, this is a kind of one of those really honest, candid moments is that for years I had invested in in a different compensation plan and I had no idea this was coming. And if anybody out there knows about deferred comp is that you have to elect how you're going to receive that money at separation. And there's one of two choices. You get it all at once, or you can take it over five years and it's a taxable event. Well, I had no idea this was coming some events that occurred in the prior years that led me to change the designation post 2008, when the world was really kind of shaky, that I would get it all at once. So that was a surprise. So here I had this money coming to me and if I didn't do anything, you know, obviously for me, I was going to, I don't know, 59% of it was going to go to taxes. So we took a large majority of that and started a foundation with that money. Mm. So tax bill went down. We ended up with a family foundation. So part of my future is my boys are part of that and um, their wives are now part of that. And our goal at is doing kingdom, advancing work with that foundation. So we get the blessing of giving a bunch of money away every year that we, my oldest son and youngest son help invest. And, and, uh, so we've touched such things as homelessness, uh, hunger, uh, human trafficking. Uh, so we're touching those things. And we just like this, my, my thought is is that this would go on and grow and would be more impactful through time and gives us an opportunity to, um, bless organizations that are doing really heavy lifting and godly work.
0: You had mentioned earlier that you're doing some leadership training. Does that mean that you're also doing coaching for people who might be struggling with their purpose?
1: I do do coaching. um, And I would say it's a limited basis because of the impact piece of it. I take on five clients a year, Greg, that's it. And so if somebody re-ups, I don't have any room, but if somebody doesn't, then I have room to take somebody on. And and it's really a, one of those things that um, is prayerful. Mm You know, I'll give you an interesting one. So I have a young guy that I work with, and love him to death. And I met him, I'm going to say six, seven years ago. And he had remembered me, he had bought my book, and he called and said, Hey, do you do any coaching? And I said, well, let's talk about what you're looking for. And the most interesting part of this conversation was, is that he had newly come to faith in Christ. And he wanted somebody not just to coach him around business, but coach and support him in his faith development. Mm. And I say that that's a God thing. So, yes, he's I mean, he's a client and. And it's crazy that I get paid to do that, but I think that those are the ones that marry me up with people that really have a heart to be not only for God, but how they live that out in their personal and professional lives. So those coaching conversations on a weekly basis, I get really excited about because we're not just talking about his business, we're talking about his family and how he's fulfilling those roles. And so that part of the coaching piece is a, is a holdover, if you will, Greg, from um, my time in the international paper. Mm-hmm. I just love that opportunity to do that.
0: And it also fits with what you said earlier, that you can really have a big impact with a small platform. We don't have to have this big impact where we're reaching out to thousands of people and maybe having an impact where, now and then with somebody else, but just zeroing in on a couple of people with intense focus and heat to help them improve. can really, I mean, it could be life changing for those people.
1: Oh, and it needs to be, mm-hmm. Greg, as you know, you've read Tape Breakers. The first chapter of that book is about my dad's passing. who died way too young. He was 72 years old and it's going to be you know, 18 years and a couple months past. Mm-hmm. And just briefly to, to reconstruct that, my dad grew up in West Virginia, but before he was 23, he lo- a brother died, sister lost her life in a car accident, his mom suffered a nervous breakdown, his father became an alcoholic, he joined the Air Force, got married, was married less than two years, and his wife died of a very rare heart condition mm-hmm. at the age of 23, so he had had all those losses in his life by the time he married my mom. And I came along.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. My dad was a very quiet man and came to faith late in life. And I think largely, you know, he didn't talk about it that much. He just didn't believe there could be a God that loved him enough that would have caused him that much pain. But in the end, he came to realize Christ for who he was, Mm -hmm. accepted Christ, and lived late in his life. The impact he had was just so amazing that when I remember speaking at his funeral— there were hundreds of people, the church was overflowing. And it, it almost makes me cry today. Great thinking about these people coming up to me and saying, I knew your dad and my, and he, I met your dad here and I needed something. And your dad gave me this, or your dad, I, I, your dad reached in his pocket and gave me $20 mm-hmm. and my dad didn't, I mean, he didn't have two nickels to rub together, mm-hmm. but he always. He was just one of those people people warmed up to him because he was quiet he was humble used to joke he didn't he didn't talk he just walked he was just one of those examples and no one would have said hey you know what kind of impact did he have what kind of purpose did he have his purpose every day was just to love people and meet them right where they were at Mm -hmm. and the day he died you know and just looking at that funeral you know a lot of people you know, hope it doesn't rain the day of their funeral because no one will show up, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, again, just these people. I had no idea who they were, and they came from all over the place mm-hmm. to celebrate my dad's life. And so that was that in- example because tape breakers is about impact and confidence is about impact. And that's what you're doing and mm-hmm. the people you're talking to and the people you're trying to inspire and, and, and move forward with purposes that there is something that you can do today that will touch somebody's life and may change it forever. And hopefully it's kingdom influencing.
0: That's right. And your dad's story also touches on a different element. And that is that we all have an adversary who is trying desperately to knock us out of the game early. And it looked like he tried to get your dad, you know, through all of these tragedies to just push him to the sidelines and just, you know, live life of quiet desperation But he did not. He continued to invest in the lives of people, and he had tremendous impact as a result of that. He didn't let that uh, adversary get the best of him or these early defeats from redefining his life.
1: Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about that, too, Greg, is that, you know, most men who go through that and then remarry and have kids. I should have, by statistics, right, been raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. He would not have completed the journey he would have quit. But he didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was just steady. He just walked it. And Mm so uh, I'm so thankful to have had that example, even an example of somebody that struggled with this idea of faith, right? In -hmm. the sense of, you know, truth ultimately rises, and, and God uses all those things for good. You never lean into somebody that's going through a tragedy and Tell them hey romans eight twenty eight says you know God works right. all these things out for good, not in their heartbreak, right?
2: Mm-hmm. but right. you can
1: look back on it, we can look back together and we can see you've had them, I've had them yep. we can look back. you know, I think about if we go back to march of of uh, two thousand um, thirteen in mm-hmm. my heartbreak, if somebody had come along and wanted to you know start quoting scripture to me. I might have, you know, whacked them in the side of the head. <laughs> right. It's not what I wanted to hear then, right? Yes, absolutely. But I can look back on it and say, "Okay, Lord, I see what I see what happened." Mm-hmm. And you always, you are good, God. You are good, and you were watching over me in all those moments. And um, anybody that's out there that thinks that they're they're done, I've gone as little as as looking at folks and saying maybe your job is just to pray for one person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I mean, you can pray. Can't, can't that's purposeful, mm-hmm. right? Yes. A man or woman who will pray is powerful. Very good.
0: Let me ask one final question. What advice would you give to people over the age of 50 to help them either identify or pursue their passions?
1: Boy, Greg, that is a great question. First question point that I would make is if you know Christ and haven't really dug in to deepening your faith, pursue him with your whole heart and ask him to guide your steps. And it's something as simple as getting up in the morning and saying, what's my next right best step that would bring you glory today? I love that question when I'm coaching, but what's my next right best step? That'd be one thing. And the second thing would be, is that serve, serve. Mm -hmm. Don't think about what do I get, but think about what I can give, even if it's the most humblest of circumstances, but go out and find a place to serve because I think in service, God changes our hearts and opens our eyes to the things that, um, we might not yep. have been aware of for a long time. Maybe we haven't gone through some of those circumstances, but figure out a place to serve. And I think the other things can, I mean there's a number of questions and I'll leave you with two questions that I think drive people to purpose. Identify who you want to be remembered by and what you want to be remembered for. And mm-hmm. people are going to remember us more for the things that happen in the end of our lives than they remember us for early in our lives. I've yet to go to a funeral and have somebody talk about somebody, you know, the things they accomplished in high school or college or anything that talk about how they finished. Mm-hmm. And if I keep those two questions in mind, who do I want to be remembered by and what do I want to be remembered for? And I wrestle with those and get those defined purpose will
0: produce itself. Mm-hmm. This has been excellent, Jim. I really appreciate you opening your heart and sharing this this story with me uh, I, I am certain that it's going to bring a lot of inspiration and hope to other people who have also found themselves suddenly cut off from what they thought was their life purpose their their existence you know their job or whatever their identity and then only to be ushered in over a slow but deliberate process into a new chapter of their life in which they are giving of themselves. And that's bringing more purpose to their lives and helping other people.
1: Amen. Last chapter, best chapter.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. So thank you again for your time. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, Greg. Great to be with you.
0: Jim Akers has a really compelling story with which a lot of people over the age of 50 can relate. They're chugging along almost on autopilot as they go from one event to another. Then something happens to derail their lives. Perhaps it's a major illness, the death of a close friend or relative, or a job loss. Maybe everything they worked hard to achieve for so long suddenly disappeared through no fault of their own. They're forced into a transition they didn't ask to make. Like Jim noted, when that happens, we have a choice on how we can respond. We can sulk, withdraw into our little comfort zone and blame God and everyone else for our predicament. Or we can pivot and realize that as long as we're still breathing, there's a purpose for our lives. Rather than looking within ourselves or to others for answers to our questions, we need to turn to our creator to discover the purpose he has for our lives going forward. There is a reason we have the skills, talent and abilities we do. There's a reason why we have had the experiences that are unique to our lives both good and bad. All of it makes us uniquely qualified to do something to make a difference in the world and in the lives of others. After turning 50, life is no longer a game to see what we can get out of life for ourselves. Rather, life becomes a mission devoted to what we can give to others. It's not complicated because it really doesn't require a lot of effort to mentor someone else who is currently facing a similar struggle to one you had endured at some point in your life. For people struggling with a sense of purpose, the magic of mentoring can be an easy solution. In the interview, Jim encouraged listeners to ask yourself if I took all of my life experience, both good and bad, and poured that into one person, like a single mother or a young athlete, could it be a life-changing moment for both of us? We often think impact has to be grandiose, but God often wants us to impact just one life at a time. If you don't believe me, Ask yourself which people had the most positive impact on your own life. Chances are, it was somebody who probably provided a little extra time and attention. Today, Jim selects five people to provide one-on-one coaching services every year. He works with people to strengthen their businesses, but more importantly, to develop their faith. For anyone wanting to find and pursue their God-given purpose, Jim offered some advice. When you get up in the morning, simply ask God, what's the next best right step that would bring you glory today? Then get busy doing that, Jim explained. Also, look for ways to serve others without thinking about what you can get in return. Even if it's the humblest of circumstances, figure out a place to serve. Finally, identify who you want to remember you and what you want to be remembered for, Jim said. People will always remember us more for things we did near the end of our lives than they will for what we did when we were younger. Answer those questions and your purpose will produce itself. To connect with Jim, visit www.jimdakers.com. J-I-M-D-A-K-E-R-S dot If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help with planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward From 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. That's all for this week's show. Next week, I'll be talking with a woman who faced a serious medical challenge in her life that baffled doctors, caused her to do some research on her own to find answers. Today, she helps others to live longer through a healthy diet and better lifestyle choices. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast. Thank you for listening.